Well, if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in two places. We're mostly going to be in, in John 10, and then we're going to be in Ezekiel 34 as well. Um, John 10, we looked at three weeks ago with, with the gate, right? We jumped in the middle of what Jesus was saying and talked about the gate, but this morning we're going to talk about the idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. And we need to know that in, in biblical times, shepherd was a more common word to be used, not just because there were shepherds, but shepherd was the word that was used to describe a leader. A leader was a shepherd. And so when someone would come into authority, they would describe that leader as a good or a bad shepherd. And so in, in biblical times, that's, that's what was just known. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying much more than like, I'm good at feeding and watering sheep. He's talking about some authority there. And I think we kind of miss that if we're not paying attention. In, in the Old Testament, there's this powerful verse in Ezekiel 34. The whole chapter is, I want to encourage you, if you're here with us Wednesday night, we're going to look at Ezekiel 34, otherwise read through it this week. But God says through Ezekiel in verse, uh, I'm going to read 2 and 4 for you. I, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. He's talking to the leaders of his chosen people and saying, you're, you're not doing what you're to do. You're not caring for my people well. And in light of this, this passage, like remember, this is written to a people who are again put into captivity. They are without as, as long as a people as they are with. They are oppressed. They're beaten down. And so they know this verse as something they can hold on to. And then Jesus later says these words that we're a little more familiar with. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his, his life down for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not know the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So God throughout scripture relates to his people as, as sheep. We are sheep. Like, you say that in some other places, that means something, something different, right? But we're supposed to take this as a positive, that we are sheep. But in the world, when are sheep valuable? When do they matter? I, I'm, I'm not a farmer, I'm not a shepherd. But I'm pretty sure that sheep matter just before they're sheared. And they matter when they die. Because they're either food or they're sacrifice. Right? That's pretty much the only times that they matter. When they can be taken from or their life can be taken from them. In the world, 
that's when sheep matter. The rest of the days, they don't really count. And if we look at the the context of when this is written, uh, a lame sheep, an atypical sheep, is not good for offering. So it's not even good for when it matters. You can't eat it. You can't use it. It just, that sheep just takes up space. And so I, I, I read this a little different, the verse that we already read. If we're thinking of just sheep, God says, you have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. If he's talking about just sheep, that makes some sense. You don't get economic gain by caring for the weak sheep. You don't move forward by binding the injured sheep. We know this, like there's a racetrack in California right now. It's not sheep, it's horses. But the the track was being shut down because so many horses were breaking their leg on the track. And we know that if a racehorse breaks its leg, it gives its life. There's no healing that up. Its value is gone. It's over. That's what some of the radical stuff, if you think about about those horse retirement farms, and maybe they're spending too much money on it, but, but that's a way of saying, hey, this horse mattered when it ran, it must matter when it doesn't. And it mattered when it studded, it must matter later. The value doesn't leave just when it can't run or it can't stud anymore. Value is value, right? That's what that is. That's what's behind that. Whether that's the best use of money or not, we can get into that some other day. But that's, what, that's a value statement. Yeah. And here, sheep, they just don't matter a lot. If they've run off, don't go run after them. There's more sheep. If it's strayed, just find another one. If it's weak or it's crippled, just find another In our culture today, the reality is we are sheep. And our culture is trying to point out our value or our lack of value. For way too long, I was ignorant to this because my kind of sheep are worth a little more. But our skin color, our gender, our sexuality, our mental health, our income, our zip code. These are all ways of judging our stock. And whether, we value, whether we're valued or not. Whether there's value in being sheared and there's value in being sacrificed. And when you think of sacrifice, it's, it's an example, right? The Old Testament sacrifice was a public Example showing that sins were healed. And sometimes the end of a life in our culture is meant to be an example. People are meaning it that way. I know that we feel the ways that we're told who we are and we're labeled weak or sick or injured or strayed or less. And this last Friday, I sat 
right back there in a table, not in a table, uh, around a table. I just thought of y'all. I thought of the people who aren't here today. And truthfully, I wept through half the day. Because I know that many of you are crying out for somebody to recognize these wolves coming. If we can go back to John 10, 11 through 14, he says, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep, sees the wolves coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And many of you see wolves coming all the time. And you feel wolves coming all the time. And we have a lot of hired hands and false shepherds that are in positions. But truthfully, they just see wounded sheep. That's what they see. And until our eyes are transformed by the kingdom of God, we will see sheep the way that sheep were once defined. That's just the truth. We can be sad about it. We can be mad about it. We can pick fights. We can scream as much as we want. But really, all we're doing is screaming. Because until you see sheep different, sheep are sheep. And wounded or defective sheep are wounded or defective sheep. If that's the way that you see it. And again, we have a lot of hired hands and false shepherds. And reality is, many of us, we're tired. We're scared. I'm not going to pretend that I know to the level that some of you live in that. But I know that you're tired. I know that you're scared. And to you... And to me, and to all who are willing to remain sheep, God says this in Ezekiel 34, 12. As shepherds seek out their flocks, when they are among the scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. This good shepherd will bring all his sheep back home. And justice will reign, and it's not just that. You see, in the world, sheep only matter in their death, and this good shepherd has something radically different. In John 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. That's what the good shepherd has come for. You see, Jesus has flipped the whole thing where sheep are worth everything, not dead, but alive as his. And so where decay is in the life of a sheep, whether they're weak or whether they're injured or whether they're stray, where decay has entered into their life, then God comes, Jesus comes, and brings healing and brings his kingdom. I, I bind up the injured so they're healed. I, I bring back those who are astray, those who are lost. 
I feed those who are weak. That's the work of the good shepherd. And so those of you who feel like these wolves with death in their fangs are circling, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying they don't hold the power. The good shepherd does. And the good shepherd brings life. So if that's true, let's back up a bit. Let's back up to John 10, 14 and 15. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So I'm going to be honest, the first 10,000 times I've read this verse, I read it as, I know my own and my own know me, and it's just like the Father knows me. So it has to be this really deep one, so I must not be the one that he knows. Because I don't know Jesus like that. Jesus describes his relationship with the Father, and it's intense, and he always wants to like sneak away with the Father. And I go to pray, but I open up an app on my phone and play a game that I don't even like. I have this centering app, centering prayer app where like a chime goes off and then 10 minutes later a chime goes off again and it's the second chime is supposed to like snap you out of it because you just want to live in that place forever and sometimes that chime feels like it's 10 days away and I have 75,000 different thoughts. I have ordered 18 meals in that time and it's only 10 minutes and I think what is wrong with me? I must not be one of his. But you know what he's saying here? That awkward time where you're trying to know God more, you're wrestling through your lack of knowledge, your distraction, or all that kind of stuff, it all counts. He sees you. He knows you. It's not like he knows you a little bit and you're just this messed up little. No, he knows you like the Father. Me and the Father, were tight. Me and mine, we're tight. He's not judging us on performance. We're, we're not like dogs that go through dog shows and learn to jump, ride, and walk. Ride. No, we're sheep who follow his voice. So it's not about you sitting correctly and jumping correctly and doing all of these things correctly. It's about you being his and he being yours. And that's it. And so the good shepherd knows his sheep. And his sheep, though they're concentrating on the fact that they're weak or they're wounded or, or they're sheep and not like bears or something cool like that, <laughs> tell me we don't do that. If only I was, yeah. fill in the blank. Those sheep are his and they know him. And that's good enough for him. We need to let that sink in a little bit, church. These babbling, distracted prayers, we, we need to start to believe that though the world might tell us we are worthless sheep, the good shepherd says we are prized sheep. Jesus knows you. He does invite you into more, but he knows you. There's an intimacy there. Verse 17, he goes on and says, For this reason the Father loves me, 
because I laid down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I received this command from my Father. Again, I've, I've told you for several years now, I have a broken way that I come to Scripture, and I see this as this is the way that I can earn my Father's love. Okay, he earned his love by laying down his life. Oh, okay, that's not what this is at all. That's not what this text is saying. You know what this is? This is, this is like Jesus saying, the Father loves this about me. The Father loves this about me, that I lay my life in order to take it up again. You know that phrase, right? I hope somebody said that about you. My, my wife, Nikki, loves to do reckless stuff in favor of other people all the time. If there's somebody that she can go fight for, she's going to go fight, even when she shouldn't. And when she's safe and next to me, I love that about her. <laughs> Makes me nervous when she's in another country or something. But it's like, okay, I love that about you. That you go enter into messes. That you go fight for people. That you love people. When I describe you, when I get to go somewhere and someone says, tell me about your church, the thing that I say is like, we are messy, but I love that about us. And here's the thing about being messy. We're not more messy than anybody else. When I say we're messy, I'm not saying, oh, my goodness, we're a train wreck. No. I just think we're learning that it's safe to be honest about being messy. That's what that is. It's not that we're more messy than another gathering at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. It's that when we walk in, we're like, hey, I don't have to hide mine. And when I come to small group, that's one of the most life-giving times of the whole week when people come in and just say, hey, here's where I'm at. Pray with me. Help me to see God in this. Help me to notice him moving in this. I love that about us. I love that every week, somehow, not everybody's here, but somehow three, three uh, things full of water bottles go out to people who need it out on the street. And then every week... Wayne comes in reluctantly with three more things of water bottles that we give out throughout the week. I love it that neighbors that you might know or don't even know yet know that you're a place that they can come be with. Last Wednesday I was walking home and this man I hadn't even met named Lee had heard all about you. He said, you were having Bible study again, right? I said, yeah, we were. He says, my name's Lee. I wanted to come in, but I'm drunk. I was like, well, I know. He's like, well, but I know that I can come in. And one of these weeks, I'm going to come in. And he knows because Alice has told him and Terry has told him and the neighbors have told him because y'all are out there on Saturday grilling hot dogs and then you're passing stuff out and you're just loving. I love that about you. Here in this verse, we see the Father loves this about me that I lay down my life in order to take it up again. But I don't want you to miss something because when you are sheep and there are wolves and there are hired hands around, it starts to get a little scary and we start to wonder about power. And when the good shepherd says, I lay down my life, we get a little nervous that if the wolves can take the good shepherd down and can take us down, we've got nobody, right? But look at how he says this. No one takes it from me. Don't give them credit. No wolf can take what I don't give. Like, they can't take my life. And even when I, 
when I lay it down, I have the power to take it back up again. So we know Jesus gave his life, and then he was resurrected as first fruits of us. Because we are to be resurrected. Because later he says, my sheep know my name, and they know my voice, and they will not know death. We live in this world, so we know a bit of decay, and at some point our lungs will stop and our heart will stop, but we will not know death. We will know the good shepherd, and that's all that we'll know. So what do we do with this, though? This week, as I talked to some people who felt rightfully crippled by news around crippled by decisions happening, nervous about the election, nervous about all of this stuff, feeling like hired hands are just becoming less trustworthy and wolves are becoming more brave. What do, what do we do? Well, a couple months ago, I got to be at the ocean. This isn't a humble brag, I promise. But I got to be at the ocean and I was at one of those beaches that were like screaming loud. And the waves were just super, super loud. And uh, I, I sat in this chair for like six hours. That's what I was there to do, is sit. You can imagine how many meals I ordered in that time. But I sat for six hours at this ocean. And it was so loud. And then there was this tiny little bird that scooted by on these tiny little legs, like stick legs, right? And I started watching this bird. And I noticed any time I looked at the bird, I heard the bird. This tiny little bugger. But if I would look at the bird, I could hear the bird. But if I looked anywhere else, I only heard the waves. And those waves were violent, and I kept thinking they were going to get my sneakers, and they were going to get my books, and they were going to ruin my stuff. But if I had to move, I might fall because it's kind of like dug into the sand, and it was just way too much thought going into moving my chair. But I kept looking at this bird, and the bird even got a ways off. If I looked at it, I could hear the bird. And if I looked away, I couldn't hear the bird anymore. A couple times I was afraid the bird had left. It, its feet were too small. It couldn't go that fast. I'd look back over, and that bird's chirping away. So here's what I'm saying. The wolves are loud. But sometimes, if we only listen to the wolves, we can't hear the shepherd. You know what a shepherd would do at the time? All the sheep of all the shepherds would be mixed together in one pen. And then the shepherd would sing his own call. And every shepherd had their own call. And here's what's brilliant about sheep. They may not be the smartest. They may not have, like, cool fangs or walk cool or anything like that. But they, they can hear and they can remember and they can obey. And the sheep hear that unique call of their shepherd, and they, they sort themselves. And no matter how far off they are, they hear their shepherd call. And so they just, they come to the shepherd. And then the shepherd just continues the shepherd's call, and all the shepherd's sheep follow the shepherd. You see, I always thought it was like herding cats, and he had to go like, go pick us out of trees and all this kind of stuff. No, it's... We hear his call. And some of us just hear 
wave after wave after wave of accusations of how we don't matter and how we don't count and all of these things and we just get offered fear and fatigue over and over and over again and what we can do is listen for the shepherd's call and follow the shepherd's call. Now these false shepherds and hired hands, here's the thing, whether we're following them yelling that they're wrong or we're following them happily, we're still following them. They win. You hear what I'm saying? The prophetic act that we can do is, I'm not saying that we don't speak truth to power or anything like that, but the prophetic act that we can do and the most powerful way to live subversive to culture and submitted to the shepherd is to follow his lead. Follow where the shepherd is leading us. And so I, I know that it is tempting to only hear the hired hands. And I know that it's, it's tempting to just live afraid. But the good shepherd has all the power. And he says real clear, he sees the hired hands and he sees the wolves. It's not happening outside of his eyes. He has all power to lay his life down and all power to pick his life back up. And with all power, he has said that my sheep, my sheep will know life. In the verse before this, on life to the full. And so my challenge to you this week is I'm not saying dig your head in the hole or anything like that, but don't, don't veer from the path of the shepherd's call for anything. Don't veer from it. And the other real practical step I have for us is I know that we are tempted to exchange our sheepness. We're tempted to no longer be vulnerable. We're tempted to like show teeth that we don't have. What makes us distinct, what makes us distinct as daughters and sons of the God most high is that we know that sheep have value. That the world says, yeah, you don't matter till you're done or you're sheared. We know that it is for the sheep that he laid down his life. And so don't exchange what makes you his to look more like a wolf. Don't exchange what makes you his to look more like a hired hand or a false shepherd. Be vulnerable and in desperate need of a good shepherd, knowing that that good shepherd's never going to leave you. That makes some sense? So we have some people who are going to come up and pray, some people in the back. Here's something distinct about this week. As I prepared for it, I realized some of us, truthfully, we have some repenting to do. Some of us might be like, hey, it's day one. I want to be a sheep. I've always felt like it. I never felt like I had value. You tell me I have value, I'm in. But some of us know better. Some of us have been called to him, given value, 
as his sheep, and then we pretended to be something else because we're scared or afraid or not trusting or we're tired or whatever that is. Let's hear the voice of the good shepherd and not with shame and not with pain, but just come to him and say, Father, forgive me again because I traded out who I am for something much smaller. I traded out. I believe that I didn't have value when, when there's so much that you put within me. And so as people come to the front and the back, I want to encourage you, go, go pray with them. If there's something that God's doing in you, if the if the hired hands and the wolves are so loud that you cannot hear the good shepherd, then, then tell one of your sisters or brothers and help have them remind you of the shepherd's song. There's beauty and life in you because God placed it there. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are the